Listen, you sent me the text, and it was about Lightning, the book Lightning, right, by Dean Arcunzi. Wait, did you just say Kunzi? Yeah, Dean Arcunzi. I say, I, it's Kuntz. I think it's just Kuntz. There's no, there's no Kunzi. K o o n t z. It's Kunzi. It's Kunzi. No, Dean you, would, you would need other vowels in there somewhere to make it Kunzi. I, I don't think that's right. You want to bet? Oh, I always want to bet. You are now tuned to the Parker Edison Project. Good morning, and welcome to Season 2 of the P.E. Project. This go-round, we're showing you how culture plays a part in our everyday lives. This episode, the theme is... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm doing... You're going to be talking about what? No, no, no. We had a bet. You lost again. I'm, but I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the intro already. I'm in the studio. I'm doing the intro right now already. But you lost the bet. I mean, a bet's a bet. So what do you I say? mean, maybe sometime you'll win, but this time you lost again. It's my show. <sighs> Sex. It's a big part of our lives. For this week's show, I thought it would be smart to talk about this big and complex topic by starting at the beginning, like egg meets sperm beginning. No, this is not a biology show, and I am not an expert in anything, really. I am just an ordinary, inquisitive person with a show about sex and stuff, where we have intimate conversations with experts like you about how you experience, think, and talk, or don't talk, about sex. Today's topic is the talk. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? The talk. The one about the birds and the bees, anatomy and biology, relationships, and religious and social expectations. Do it, don't do it. What is it? You know that talk. I wanted to know how culture and context shape this very intimate and mostly awkward conversation. So join us for Sex and Stuff with Miss Lolly while we talk about the talk. Meow, 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 meow. This is Lolly's show. So Parker, you're here with me to talk about the talk. You ready? I'm here. I'm here. To, I had a show. I had a whole show idea and this is, this is mm, not no. quite... Nope, got scrapped. Got totally scrapped because I won. So now I have a show idea and it's the talk. You ready? I'm ready. Yeah. You sure? Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, nobody can see you blush over radio. Hmm. (laughs) So I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a really obnoxiously curious person. So when I want to know something, I start asking a lot of questions, which means I went around asking everybody, I mean everybody that I met anywhere I was, how they got the dog. That's crazy. Out yeah. like, uh, like, like bars, like church, like malls. Bars. Uh, when I went out to dinner with people, like everybody in my family, everybody. And the funny thing is, is people actually told me. Nobody said no. Nobody shied away. Everybody had a story and they were willing to tell me. It was weird. Wow, you're like the people whisperer. <laughs> so, you know, I have to ask, Parker, what was your talk like? Um... I think I got three different talks. My mom sat me down and gave me like a whole two-hour TED Talk-esque thing, like when I was probably like in the eighth grade. And that was like the how it happens, the man and the woman, all of it, the whole shebang. And then my cousin gave me another speech and kind of built on the mechanics of it, like, oh, you're going to do it. This is what you're going to need to do. And then later, my father, when I was like 17, 18, gave me the whole, he sat me down and was like, this is the part you're going to play in society and the big picture of it. So it's like an ongoing course. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. 
you got all three of the like major components of of what sex is, right? The biology of it, the physical side of it, how it shapes you as a person and how you relate to other people in society. So you're saying your cousin gave you tips on how to do it? As we're talking about it, I never thought about it before, but I think it's because I'm a male and we're going to start the ball rolling. So we kind of have to get those tips on this is what you're going to do. These are the precautions you're going to take because we're the we're going to kind of initiate a lot of the the episodes. I got tips from other, from teenage boys. <laughs> They're not a good source of information. No. <laughs> no. No. It's basically learn as you go. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like nobody told me how to do anything. <laughs> I mean, and again, it might be because I had like a, a, a big family. And so, you know, like I, my mom started the ball rolling and yeah, that's actually something that I noticed too when talking to people is that there's a huge difference between people who come from big families and people who come from smaller families in how much information they get. Like, you know, like my little family, one person was going to give me the talk, you know, my mom, and she just decided not to. <laughs> and I wasn't getting it from anybody else. Yeah, she sat me down when I was 17 and she's like, hey, so um, I'm pretty sure that you and your boyfriend are probably having sex, so maybe we should talk about that. And I'm like, I lost my virginity, you know, three years ago. <laughs> and, and she's like, oh, well then, I guess you know. And that was that. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was, the, that was the amount of information I was going to get from anybody in my family. It's going to sound like a weird question, but did she get the talk? You know I asked her. Hi, honey. Hi, mama. What's going on? Um, I have a weird question for you. If you have sex. Oh, well, what is it? Uh, so I'm wondering if Nana ever talked to you about sex when you were a kid. Nana, talk to me about sex. I don't think so. <laughs> Nana didn't talk to me about anything that was particularly real. So <laughs> it seems to me that if we had had a sex talk, it would have had to include her, if you understand what I mean. That would be off the table. She couldn't tell you about you having sex without having to allude to the fact that she has sex. That would be humiliating for her to talk about that. And to tell you the truth, she wouldn't be my go-to person. The fact that she didn't talk to me about it is okay with me. I didn't want to talk to her about it either. <laughs> you know, because you don't want to think of your parents having sex. So you don't no. want to... I know I approached your sister because I wanted her to know about birth control. I didn't give her like a big sex talk. I think my, I gave her to more of a sex talk than you did. It's possible because you're her older sister. But anyway, I mean, that's off the topic. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. Um, I heard your doorbell ring. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to keep you for too long. Okay, sweetheart. Okay, I love you. Have fun on your trip. Okay, so wait. We got to go back to this this three-part talk that you got. Mm -hmm. I asked a bunch of my friends about the big family versus small family thing. Turns out having a big family really does make a huge difference. For instance, I talked to my friend LaShawn recently. She's a small business owner from Baltimore. She has two kids who are out of the house. They're, they're grown, grown. And she raised them with her husband, Chris. She talked about her background growing up with a big family and how much the black church influenced life and culture growing up. Uh, matter of fact, we got married in our little small black church. 
And that was wonderful. There's nothing but Catholics for Chris is from, so you didn't know there was anything other than a Catholic until only was like 13. Then, of course, I had to ask, I had to get to the point and ask her how she got the talk and then how they, as a family, gave the talk. It was not a taboo in our family. I don't remember ever getting the talk from my mom. Don't think I was ever hesitant to talk to her about it because she was always so open. My mom was a single mom, so I was raised a lot with my cousins because my grandma would watch us. My granny would watch us. Whenever anyone had any issues, I don't believe anyone was uh, embarrassed by it. It was because it's just, you know, the natural way of life. Some cultures are very free with how they speak about the body and show the body and talk about um, body parts and then also about uh, the actual sexual experience. Um, so I'm wondering how old were you when you started asking questions? And Seven. When my daughter was curious, she was around the same age. And she was hearing from the boys at school, you know, they're kind of bragging about this and using all these terms that she hadn't heard before. So she went on the internet to try and find it out. This was a big thing for us. Found a porn site because she heard girl, girl, boy, boy. And this, she was just like, what is going on here? For some reason, she thought that she would get in trouble for talking to us about it. My husband and I sat down with her and we're like, well, if you have questions, let's talk about this. Sex is a natural thing. I thought just by her hearing us talk and this and that, she was getting enough information. I didn't know that I had to come back boys on the, on the playground. What kind of advice would you give to a mom of a six or seven-year-old who might be showing that they're curious like your daughter did? Be open with your kids, even though they're seven or eight. Be honest about your answers. Don't try to hide the answers just because you're embarrassed by it. Make sure that they know that they can talk about anything. Oof. So culture does play a huge part in how this whole piece of information comes out. Yeah, and even about how we treat our bodies and seeing other people's bodies, I think, is very culturally influenced as well. LaShawn and I were talking later in that conversation. She talked about, you know, walking around the house in their underwear, not a big deal, whether there was the boys or the girls or it didn't matter. And I had a very similar experience growing up when my dad moved out of the house. It was just my mom, my sister and I. We walked around the house naked, no problem. It was like not even a thing. And I thought that that was normal. And and then when I talked to my friend Des and told her about that, she laughed in my face hard. Ooh. She's like, what? You guys, what? No way. Not in my house. There's no way. But she grew up in a more conservative Catholic house. How would you describe your family's culture in New Jersey? Yeah, my family was super religious. Catholic school up until um, eighth grade, I transferred in the public. There were predominantly white people in the school. So I'm wondering how uh, the concept of sex was brought up in Catholic school. It wasn't. I didn't even know that you were supposed to wipe from front to back until I heard it off of a no effect song. It was, um, I went and got birth control on my own. My mom's response was always no. Well, why? Because I said so. So what about conversations about your body? No, no, never. I mean, when I got my period, I was told I turned into a woman, but I didn't even know it was coming. I screamed. And what does that even mean? You became a woman. Ah, okay. What does that mean at, that, that? at 12? <laughs> 
And the whole idea of like uh, where babies come from. How'd you figure that one out? My mom, she says that when I was younger, I asked her and she was very like upfront and scientific about it, but I don't remember that. But I learned more about sex and stuff from um, my friends. How old were you when you were talking to your friends about sex? High school, 14, 15. And you have a daughter. How old is your daughter? Seven. So what do you think you will do differently than your mom did when it comes to talking about sex and the body and reproduction? I'm going to explain everything. My plan is to get, you know, a book and show how it works and what happens and explain it in a way that I hope that she'll understand. A lot of people said they either didn't get a talk or when they did, it was around like sixth or seventh grade, which, I mean, you said you got yours around that time too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. As you heard and probably experienced, kids are talking about sex and finding info about it way younger than 12. Questions about where babies come from happen long before puberty, and talks about body parts start as soon as kids notice differences in their bodies and others. So I started asking people about the conversations that they had. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. I got to pay some bills real fast. We're going to do a commercial break, and then I'm I'm super interested in this piece. So we'll come right back from this, this commercial, and then we'll get into that, yeah? Yeah, okay. I can wait. Oh, all right. <laughs> KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. You are now tuned to the Parker Edison Project. Okay, we're back. Before we left, you were talking about how a lot of parents are giving the talk when the kids are 12 and 13. But by that time, kids are already aware of sex and sexuality and having those conversations on their own well before that. Oh yeah, kids are having talks on the playground way before parents think that it's time to talk. Mm. So I started asking people about that too. Like, when did you start talking to your friends about things? You know, not just when did you get the talk, but when did you start talking about it in general? And one of the best examples I have is this woman I met named Cleo. I met her hanging out at a bar and we were having a conversation. Of course, I started asking her these questions and her experience was different from anyone else I talked to, but not at all unique to her family's culture. So how did you get the talk? Who gave you the talk? I don't think I ever really had a talk, a timely talk for my parents. Um, so I think most of my understanding about sex probably happened like just watching TV through the media. We had cable, like I think first, cause I think like it was when cable first came out and I think a lot of, there's a lot of questions about like, is it going to um, be a bad influence on children? And my parents are first, like I'm first generation. My parents are immigrants. They weren't a part of that conversation. Like I was privy to it cause I was watching the news, but they didn't really mind it. And they like the idea of cable. So we got it and they didn't really monitor what we were watching. So I got to watch whatever I wanted, you know. And where are your parents from? Egypt. Did so, your friends or your family talk about um, protection or um, STDs or anything like that? So uh, definitely not that kind of conversation with my mom at all. Like she's very conservative. I'm 43 years old and I did live with my last, like my most significant relationship. I lived with him for like 11 years. If she were asked, I'm a virgin. Huh. We just don't talk about it. 
Like, if my mom had her way, I would live with her until I was engaged. Uh, and then I would have gotten the talk probably, like, after I was engaged. I'm sure that's how it would happen. Like, um, okay, so what about puberty? I guess my mom was just like, you're probably going to get it um, plus or minus one month from when you turn 13 because that's how her and her eight sisters got it. And she was right. I got it like a month before I turned 13. <laughs> I feel like you don't have that information when you're four years old, five years old, six years mm -hmm. old, right? And at some point you hear from somewhere, you know, that periods happen, mm -hmm. you know, or from somewhere you hear that you have to be a virgin. This is what it means to be a virgin. This is what it means to have a hymen broken. Like, where did that information come from? Was that cable TV or was that mom? There was like a focus on genitalia. And I think we spoke about this once before, but like, in my generation, my mom's generation, they're, you know, in Egypt, they have a practice of like clitorectomies. Me and my sister are the only two women that are intact in my family, in my generation even. I like was always aware of that at least, you know, visiting, going to Egypt. I knew that like boys got circumcised and girls also had their version of circumcision. It's a little confusing there because some people think it's a Muslim practice but it's like an African practice. And so it's just like an ancient Egyptian practice and it's a practice all over Africa. There was a focus there, like I said, on genitalia. Like I knew that they had the operation. We talked about it. Um, How old are you when they talked about the operation? Like just like single digits, like seven, eight, nine. I mean, like- I feel like it's interesting. I don't have a specific memory of any of these things really, but we knew the stuff, you know? So. Talking about the operation at six, seven years old mm -hmm. was so commonplace that it's like, no, you just know these things. Mm -hmm. But talking about sex you stand, and the fact that you're not a virgin, you can't mm -hmm. talk about with your mom even in your 40s. Mm -hmm. How do you think that the things that you learned from cable TV and the things that you learned from your cousins, your family, your mom, how do you think that those two things kind of blended together to your current understanding? Like, I think what they had covered was you can indulge in that once you get married, mm -hmm. right? There was mm -hmm. that rule. But like, as far as explaining what sex is, what abstinence is, what happens, like how you get pregnant, all those things that you do learn in school, like sex ed. Sex like ed in school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, so there's that, like you learn about sex, like all, like that starts at 12. They were probably happy to like have that like technical stuff covered so they wouldn't have to go into it. And like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like all those things are true, but they're going to happen for you once you get married. Did you go to public school? Yeah. I've talked to quite a few women uh, who went to Catholic school. Uh -huh. um, and actually one woman who... Uh, was raised Jehovah's Witness, and so they did not get any of that kind of conversations in school. Like, having this conversation, it is very strange that there are so many things surrounding, like, genitalia, anatomy, that we understood, and that was information that was passed between children, but we never had serious conversations about sex. How do you think you would do things if you had a daughter? I think it's probably important to, like, teach kids to, like, identify their like just make them aware of their anatomy um, and be able to like give them like words for their anatomy and to be able to be open to talk to like you know me as a parent right like to talk to me like um, with any questions any incidents anything that might happen like I think that needs to start at a very young age and then having the talk I mean 
I feel like I would have it like when they're 12. That information's out there, so I think I would have to start young. Would I have to start younger than the age of 12? I don't know. 12 just seems like a good year. Wow. Mind blown. There's so much in that convo, man. That's that's insanity. I mean, among other things, one of one of the things that I'm getting repeatedly, though, from a lot of these clips is the impact the media is having on all these young ladies' social educations. Oh, yeah. You know, with LaShawn and her kids looking at porn when they're young, trying to get information and Des not knowing about her body until she heard it from a no effect song, you know, and then Cleo learning things from cable TV. Media also had a big influence on me and my sexuality, just the music I listened to growing up. You know, I was really into punk rock and the goth scene. And there's so many sexual overtones and undertones in that music that kind of pushed me in a direction to explore some things because of how much music was a part of my life. Hmm. So maybe it's about valuing all the different ways that we do learn our sexual education because in its own way, each way is equally valuable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the real takeaway here is that everyone is an expert in their own life and their own experience of sex. And I find it really interesting how culture shapes our attitudes and reactions to something so universal. I think if we didn't treat it like this big, blushy conversation that we might actually get to learn from each other a lot more. Like I get to learn from you and what your family taught you. I got to learn from LaShawn what her family taught her. And we're always still learning. Mm. So parents, stop being shy. Get in there and start having these conversations because it's happening whether or not you discuss it or not. Yeah, there's so many resources now. Planned Parenthood has some of the best videos going on right now. People write in questions. They ask their questions about everything. Kind of like what you were getting from your family. They finally made videos like that, and they're on YouTube. I've caught some of those. I've seen them. And in fact, we're going to attach a link to some of those Planned Parenthood informational pieces at the ParkerEdisonProject.com website so that you guys can hop on there if need be. And seriously, parents, get on and get in. So thanks for letting me take over your show again. I don't know if I had a choice. You didn't. Maybe we'll win the next the next bet. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. This is Lolly's show. Stay tuned, Stay tuned for more tuned of the PEP. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. That was pretty dope stuff, right? Conversations with Lolly are always an adventure. You might have noticed some very cool tunage playing in the background, One of the things we're doing with this second season is getting signed and unsigned talent to score whole episodes for us. This go-round, we were lucky enough to get Electro-Pop Funk Phenom's Cosmic Collective. They even took a few minutes to chat so you could get to know them a little better. Um, I'm Nikki Enslow. I'm Tyler Enslow. We're the Cosmic Collective, and we're calling from Charlotte, North Carolina. Ooh, North Cackalack. Um, how many Cosmic Collective albums are there? I think maybe online... There's three, but there's one that we released a while ago that's hiding right now uh, that we might release some songs from. That was like our very first one. So I guess that's the mystery fourth one. Yeah. The hidden, <laughs> hidden Originals album. Yeah. How would you describe your sound? Uh, 
Uh, that's a hard one. I feel like we're inspired by so many different genres and artists that it's so hard to put like a box on our sound, but I would say there's a lot of elements of jazz, soul, um, dance music, like EDM. Electronic, but organic at the same time. That's what we're going for, at least. Yeah. It taps into so many different things. It's super interesting to me, man. Like, I love your track, Transcendental Love. What's the story behind it? It's about today's like love scene. Like If you rush too fast to tell someone how you feel, it kind of freaks them out a little bit. So it's all about timing. We wrote and recorded the entire song in one week and released the video in a week. Like, mm -hmm. wow. On that note, I want them to hear it because it's my favorite. Would you mind introducing it for us? Ladies and gentlemen, Transcendent, Transcendent love. love, we're the Cosmic Collective. Come to you, tell you how I feel 
Stopping in. The Parker Edison Project is produced and hosted by yours truly, Parker Edison, and the good people at Platform Collection. Be sure to subscribe and catch the next episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, visit theparkeredisonproject.com or hit us on Instagram at the PE Project. My guy, Kurt Conan, is audio production manager. Lisa Jane Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is associate general manager for content. This programming is made possible in part by the KPBS Explore Content Fund. I love saying that because it reminds me of Sesame Street. Y'all stay safe out there. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program. Shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.